You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. All right. Question number one. How do you handle family responsibilities during work? Cormac, come here. What would I do if you pooped your pants at school? Well, first of all, I don't poop my pants because I'm a second grader. But if I did, um, you would probably tell mom and have her come pick me up. That's right. I would probably tell my wife to go pick him up. How involved are you as a father? I try to be as involved as I can. Candidly, I am as involved as work allows me to be. Well, the truth of the matter is, during the week, not a whole hell of a lot. And it's not fair to anyone, really. What is frustrating about being a working dad? Pretty much everything. When we talk about the pay gap, we're talking about a ratio. How much women make compared to men. We spend a lot of time talking about one side of that equation, women. But to understand why women take a pay cut when they have kids... We have to look at what happens to men when they become dads. What's frustrating about being a working dad? It's really about, you know, the things in the middle of the day, things at school, uh, volunteering at school that other parents um, are able to do that usually I'm not able to do. We don't like it when you work. Yeah, I guess that's frustrating about being a working dad. I guess just not seeing them as much, you know, only seeing them for maybe an hour in the morning. An hour at night, it's a couple hours a day, really. It's not much. Rebecca Glauber is a sociologist at the University of New Hampshire who studies a phenomenon known as the fatherhood bonus. Having kids, she says, is good for men's careers. I'm not saying that suddenly with the birth of a child, you know, a man is called into a supervisor's office and immediately given a raise. It has more to do with over the course of that year and the following years, fathers tend to see their wages rise a bit more quickly relative to childless men. Men's earnings increase more than 6% when they have children, even controlling for factors like experience, education, hours worked, and spousal incomes. While employers see motherhood as something distracting, they see fatherhood as something that makes men better at their jobs. The assumption is that those men will work hard to support their families. They're more stable, more committed. But where does that leave women? Their incomes decrease 4% for each child that they have. Yes, even controlling for all of those same factors. These stats are related. Men's careers can take off because women are taking the pay hit. We've spent the first half of this season talking about women. But we can't end the motherhood penalty or close the gender pay gap without dads. 
29% of men have no access to leave of any kind for the birth of a child. The gender line helps to keep women not on a pedestal, but in a cage. You should never say, I'm ready to have a baby. Am I ready to lose my job? There isn't a single industry where women aren't punished for procreating. When men have children, they experience a pay bump. When women have children, the opposite happens. 60% of fathers with partners who also work say they find it difficult to find a balance between home and work. Gender is no longer the factor creating the greatest wage discrepancy in this country. Motherhood is. Welcome to The Paycheck. I'm Rebecca Greenfield. In a two-parent household, it makes sense, in theory, that both parents would share the burdens of childcare equally and split the professional consequences. But it doesn't work that way. The same structures that discourage moms from working also discourage men from spending more time with their kids. Historically, it's been hard to get men in positions of power to see how these gender roles have hurt women. What's been a lot more convincing is showing how these gender roles hurt men too. One of the first people to show how effective this argument is was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. In 1972, she took up her very first gender discrimination case. Charles Moritz was a single man who took care of his elderly mother. So when he filed his taxes, he took a deduction for money he spent on her caretakers. But the IRS rejected his claim. And they said, well, if we're talking about caregivers, then this must be women. That's Daniel Stiepelman, who wrote the Ruth Bader Ginsburg biopic on the basis of sex. He also happens to be Ruth Bader Ginsburg's nephew. Daniel says that the caretaker benefit was really written with women in mind. The great irony of so many of these laws is that it came from a place of men thinking they were being helpful. And in their mind, if you were a woman, you were the caregiver to your family. Ruth Bader Ginsburg argued the case under the Civil Rights Act, which says you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. She wasn't the first person to point out that gender discrimination is unfair and holds people back and hurts people financially, but she was the first person to do it in a way to convince a panel of men. One was that it was the first time that this argument was made on behalf of a man. Um, you know, this argument had been made before over the course of 100 years, arguing against gender discrimination, um, but always from the perspective of a woman who had been treated unfairly. And male judges just couldn't see it. They couldn't understand what the big deal was. She won the case. It was a big deal. Not just because men could claim a new tax deduction, but because this little provision in the tax code no longer assumed that women were the only caretakers, an assumption that hurts both men and women by keeping men out of the home and women out of the workplace. It was an even bigger deal because it opened up the door for Ruth Bader Ginsburg and others to challenge any law that viewed men and women differently. And there were a lot of them. The Charles Mortz case became Ruth Bader Ginsburg's playbook for the next decade. She argued and won dozens of cases that struck down gendered laws by showing how they hurt men, which was a shortcut to equality for women. There was a series of you know, landmark decisions in which they basically made it harder and harder for a law that discriminates on the basis of sex to be deemed constitutional. So fast forward to the 90s. 
legislators were drafting the Family Medical Leave Act. And because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's fight, they purposefully used gender-neutral language. The law allows primary caregivers, that can be a man, a woman, or anyone, to take off 12 weeks of unpaid leave to care for a newborn or a sick family member. The idea was, if men take time off, women might not take as much of a career hit when they do. They won't face the same penalties in pay or opportunities. But changing the laws is just the beginning. Kevin Knusman was one of the first men to try and take advantage of FMLA. And it didn't go well. Susan Burfield is a reporter at Bloomberg. She spoke to Kevin about what happened when he wanted to stay home to take care of his daughter. Kevin Knusman grew up with an involved dad. Off work at four, home by 410. Kevin wanted to be the same kind of father. Uh, we had been married, I guess, about uh, nine or 10 years. And uh, so we were, we were very happy to uh, be expecting our daughter. I intended to take an extended leave following her birth. That's Kevin. He was working as a police officer and flight paramedic in Maryland and expected to be able to take time off to help his wife, Kim, care for their newborn. But near the end of her pregnancy, Kim got sick, and her doctor said she would need extra rest after the birth. Kevin would have to do even more for their daughter. This was 1994. A year earlier, President Bill Clinton had signed the Family Medical Leave Act into law. The first and only federal leave law the U.S. has entitles parents to take up to 12 weeks of unpaid time off to care for a newborn. Or an ill family member. This bill will strengthen our families, and I believe it will strengthen our businesses and our economy as well. When Kevin's wife got pregnant, he asked the state police for at least four weeks of FMLA leave under the new law. A supervisor denied his request. So then he asked for time off using Maryland's state benefits. He said that he, not his wife, would be his daughter's main caregiver, and he asked for 30 days leave, the amount a mother would be granted. But that request was denied too. He was told, You're not entitled to be a primary care provider because you're a man. And unless your wife is dead or in a coma or you can breastfeed, you're not and will not ever be qualified for a primary care provider. After 10 days, HR ordered Kevin back to work. Well, I was dumbfounded. I was a, a longtime state trooper. I had lots of leave. And to my way of thinking, I was, I was entitled to use that leave. Uh, my wife needed help. It made me basically choose between my family or feeding my family with my job. Kevin was up against centuries of social norms. Mothers are automatically assumed to be the main caregivers in the months after the birth and all the years after that. Fathers are assumed to be the providers. FMLA was supposed to be a new labor standard that applied equally to women and men, exactly what Ruth Bader Ginsburg wanted. If it just applied to women, employers would have incentive not to hire them, or promote them, or pay them fairly. I immediately recognized this as a case that was firmly within the tradition of the ACLU as Ruth Bader Ginsburg first envisioned it. And the FMLA had just recently passed, so uh, this was very exciting to me. That's Sarah Mandelbaum, one of the lawyers from the American Civil Liberties Union who worked on Kevin's case. After the Charles Moritz case, Ruth Bader Ginsburg co-founded the Women's Rights Project at the ACLU. 
which is where she worked to keep striking down laws that treated men and women differently. The FMLA should have been the perfect example of a law that met Ginsburg's standard. According to FMLA, Kevin should have been entitled to the time off. He'd been on the police force for 18 years. FMLA kicks in after one year. So Kevin sued, and he got lots of recognition from it. He spoke to Congress. He was in Hillary Clinton's book. He met the president. Kevin became Trooper Dad. His lawyers expected the state to quickly settle the case. These rights were not abstractions. This is bedrock stuff. Family values, equal treatment that should, you know, cut across gender lines. That was Robin Cockey, another of Kevin's lawyers. They all thought Kevin was the perfect plaintiff. One of the cool aspects of the case was that Kevin was not a granola-crunching hippie. Uh, Kevin was, you know, a, a, just a classic state trooper straight out of central casting. Uh, he was a lifelong Republican, an NRA member, a born-again Christian, uh, a rock-solid Eastern Shore conservative. And that made the sort of personal dynamics of the case fascinating. Robin was surprised that the police and the state dug in. But most state troopers were male. What if others wanted to take parental leave? That could be disruptive, not just to the agency's work, but to how the agency saw itself. They had a, a force of 12 or 1,500 troopers, probably 97% are men. And they probably didn't want all these men willy-nilly taking the leave following the birth of their child. Kevin was taking a stand against his employer, and not just any employer, but the Maryland State Police. He was threatening how the mostly male organization functioned. It would have to take account of its employees' home lives. It would have to become more flexible. They were going to have to give male employees the same leave benefits as the women were entitled to. That was pure and simple. From the time he filed the lawsuit in 1995 to the trial in 1999, Kevin showed up for work. He flew in the helicopter. He gave medical assistance. He dealt with criminals. At home, he helped care for his daughter, Paige, and a second daughter, Hope. Some troopers were supportive. Others standoffish. Some of the, I guess, more traditional state police employees were pretty reserved or maybe puzzled by the whole stay-at-home dad kind of thing. But uh, there were lots of uh, civilian employees in the state police. There were a lot of young troopers uh, that were absolutely supportive. But suing your employer is stressful. You're hypervigilant is, I guess, the word that the professionals might use. Uh, you just, you just want to be uh, on your game and not give any room for disciplinary action to be, to be taken. So it was pretty difficult. Kevin became depressed and sought psychiatric treatment. The state would later use that against him. And then finally, in January 1999, after four years of waiting, Kevin's trial began. The law was pretty clear. Men are entitled to use FMLA, too. It doesn't matter if their wives are healthy or sick. The trial lasted two weeks. The jury deliberated for only two hours. It awarded Kevin $375,000 for emotional damages in the first-ever sex discrimination verdict in conjunction with the Family and Medical Leave Act. There were several times the jury gasped at uh, revelations in the 
in the process of the trial from the people that were testifying on behalf of the, the state police. And uh, so we, you know, we felt that there was an emotional impact. The state appealed the verdict. Eventually, that $375,000, it was reduced to about 40000 There were also repercussions against Kevin because he broke this code of manhood. When he returned to work after the trial, he was grounded. The police insisted he undergo a psychiatric evaluation before he could rejoin the flight paramedics. The Baltimore Sun said using his past mental health issues against him was an old ruse of dictators. Kevin calls it retaliation. They never came and got my police car, my gun, or my badge. They never suspended my arrest powers, but they did not let me fly. Six months after the verdict, in July of 1999, Kevin retired from the Maryland police force. He didn't get a party or a parting gift. He was 42. Kevin became a stay-at-home dad, and when his daughters were older, he returned to being a paramedic, but not for the state. Kevin's case set the legal precedent for more men to take time off when their kids are born. But the stigma remains, and many of the men we spoke to say they still find it hard to break the gender norms. I'm expected to handle 100% of what happens with work and generating income, right? I I am the only person that generates an income at my house, and so I'm 100% responsible for that. And so the pressure is on to make sure that I'm performing at a high level at work, so that that income can be there to support our family. That I feel my guilt is that I'm actually going to work and not able to spend time with her. It's not the other way around. It's not like work is, I feel bad for leaving. It's, I feel bad for not being with her and going to work. But for now, yeah, there's these mo- sometimes these moments when you just watch opportunities have to float away. I've never been penalized for leaving work to go and be with the kids. But they'll say things like, oh, you're going home to babysit? Your time is the most precious and valuable commodity that we have. If there were more Kevins, and from day one, more men were involved at home, women wouldn't be the only ones taking time away from work and taking that pay hit. But getting them to actually be involved parents is a whole other challenge. Keith Parmeter, who's a law professor at Willamette University, says that partly they're worried about the professional consequences. He studied paternity leave patterns over the past several decades and what happens to the men who take it. Those fathers are more likely to be punished at work, to be viewed as less committed to work, to be viewed as, frankly, less masculine. And so the code and the pressure coming culturally and from employers specifically is loud and clear to men that if you dare sort of break that gender norm and and actually engage in caregiving, you're going to be punished. But another part of it is that we still don't expect much of men. We still live in a world where celebrity men are championed for acknowledging they have a kid. How is the bar that low? Are these guys that weak and that cowardly that we're golf clapping them for being like, yeah, I have a child? Like, really? Really? It's sad. That's Alexis Ohanian, a.k.a. Mr. Serena Williams. Alexis is married to one of the greatest and most successful athletes of all time. But he's also successful in his own right. 
He founded Reddit and now runs his own venture capital firm. In the last year and a half since his daughter, Alexis Olympia Ohanian Jr. was born, Alexis has cultivated a public image of himself as a woke, involved dad. All you have to do is look at his Instagram. Where's your belly? I have eaten it. Your belly's in my belly now. Alexis is on a mission to get more guys to act like him. Recently, he did the media rounds talking all about how important it is to take paternity leave. Of all the things we are asking men to do, spending some time with their newborn and their partner is not, I mean, not the hardest thing we've been asked to do. When his daughter was born, he took all of the paid paternity leave his venture capital firm offers, 16 weeks in total. I think more and more men need to hear from other dads or expecting dads that they took the time and how great it was and also how awful it was and how because it was so awful sometimes it made it so great when it wasn't like it's not like it's, it is not all roses but as a time you will never get it back and yeah even the 3 a.m where you're just like praying that she's going to go back to sleep to be fair alexis and serena are wealthy and privileged most men in the u.s don't get any paid paternity leave at all but most companies in Silicon Valley, where Alexis is based, do offer paid parental leave. That's for both moms and dads to take time off to care for a newborn. And California, where Alexis lives, also has a paid family leave law on the books. But men still generally don't take it. Three quarters of the people who take paid leave in California are women. And fathers who do take paid leave aren't taking very much, just around two weeks. So even with generous laws and policies, women are still the ones staying at home. Alexa says he wants to change that. First, by normalizing paternity leave. If other men see him taking the leave, they'll think it's okay to take time off too. And I heard from a lot of founders in the Valley. I heard from a lot of employees in the Valley how important it was that they saw me taking my full 16 weeks and being really outspoken about it. Once the stigma washes away, it'll be pretty quick to adapt. And, and if Sweden is any indication, uh, I don't know if you've seen the latte papas. The latte papa trend is fascinating in Sweden. It's just all these rugged Swedish dudes going out with their baby Bjorns. That's right. He said the latte papas. So in Sweden, new parents get more than a year of paid time off, and dads are required to take three months of that leave. That's where the latte papas come in. They're new dads who congregate in cafes with their babies strapped to their chest. There are even trend stories about them. So how much time are you taking off at the moment? Half a year. Six months? Yeah. And you? I'm taking six months too. I'm having 11 months. You're taking 11 yeah, months Yeah, the same off. as this mother. By the way, the pay gap there is smaller. It's less than 13%, according to the European Commission, compared to around 20% in the U.S., but the reason men in Sweden take leave isn't just because other men do it. It's because there are incentives. In 1995, Sweden introduced what was called a daddy quota. Fathers there were given 30 days of paid leave. But if they didn't use it, they lost the paid time off. After that, the proportion of men taking leave almost doubled. Since, Sweden has upped that quota to 90 days, and now even more men take the leave. In the U.S., men don't have much of an incentive to take time off at all. Most men only get leave through FMLA, which means months without a paycheck. 
something most people can't afford. They also face high workplace penalties if they do anything more than bare minimum parenting. Of course, paternity leave is just the beginning. Like Keith said, things get worse for men at work the more they try to be involved at home. Experts call this the fatherhood cliff. Men who take on more childcare responsibilities lose status in the workplace. Their careers can take a dive. If we want to help women, we have to make it normal for men to be involved, not just when their kids are infants. So how can we change that? Alexis thinks we can start by adding some incentives. He recently started a million-dollar fund with Dove to pay new dads $5,000 each to take time off. 200 dads will essentially be paid to stay home, which isn't very many. It's a very small start. And even Alexis knows that. It's not the be-all, end-all solution. Here he is talking about his initiative on the Today Show. I'm still actively campaigning for a federal law to pass. Mm -hmm. uh, we're the only industrialized nation that does not have any kind of paid family leave. Wow. And it's something that, that I think we deserve. If we're a nation that really believes in family values, like I know we do, mm -hmm. I want to give air cover to the guy who doesn't have the economic peace of mind mm -hmm. that I know that we have. Um, because he, he should have that chance to be with his partner, to be with his child, because mm -hmm. you don't get that time back. Making parental leave normal for men won't solve the pay gap on its own. There's 18 years of a kid's life at home after that. But if motherhood makes the pay gap so much worse, maybe those first few months of fatherhood is one place to start looking for how to fix it. Next week on The Paycheck, what happens to the global economy when women stop having kids? We are all going to eventually face slower population growth or shrinking populations. And that is going to have to change if people want to see the kind of growth that previous generations have enjoyed. Thanks for listening to The Paycheck. If you like the show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to rate, review, and subscribe. This show was hosted and reported by me, Rebecca Greenfield, and reported by Susan Burfield, Jillian Goodman, and Alexis Benvenisti. This episode was edited by Jillian Goodman and produced by Samantha Gatsik. We also had production help from Francesca Levy, Janet Paskin, and Liz Smith. Our original music is by Leo Sidrin. And thanks to all the dads we spoke to for this episode. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at cuttereconomicforum.com.